Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the digital resource curator for Faith to Go. And I'm Charlotte Pressler, and I'm the youth missioner for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. And welcome to episode 251 Woo-hoo. of the podcast. I promise I won't do that every single time. I'm only going to do 251 mm-hmm. since it's the first one after 250. Hope you all listened to that episode number 250. It was so fun to record and to edit for me. I loved it and so exciting to hear from all those uh, people that we love that are part of the Faith to Go community. And thank you all for tuning back in uh, after that exciting episode to listen to this one for the week uh, leading up to August 14th, Sunday, August 14th, which is proper 16. I'd say we're about halfway through the propers. Yes. Hmm? Uh, I think the last one's in the high 20s, so just we're into the second half of uh, Ordinary Time. So congratulations, everybody. You are just, you're into the home stretch, moving towards Advent, which seems like a million years away, but we'll be here very soon. Uh, so we have a God sighting sent in from a previous guest that was originally meant for our 250th episode, but we got it mere hours I know. after recording uh, the podcast last week. So we're going to share that with you today as we get into our God sighting. So our God sighting this week, uh, which we always like to check in with each other about and always would love to hear from you about, is from Deanne Rios, our former guest from uh, Good Samaritan Episcopal Church, also works for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. So here is Deanne uh, sharing some encouraging words and of gratitude for Faith to Go and just about her general feelings about the God sighting. Hello, this is Deanne Rios. I wanted to call in and celebrate with you all your 250th episode of Faith to Go. Your podcast is such a blessing. I love listening to it and hearing, um, just spending time reflecting on the passages uh, for the upcoming Sunday each week. I also love being a guest on your show. It was great to spend time reflecting even more so in advance of that and then discussing with you all on the podcast. Um, and I love your where did you see God in the last week question. Um, literally, like, I see God in my life all the time. And I often think of the two of you because when I think of God moments and, um, you know, seeing God's, hearing God's voice or seeing God at work, um, and just love that you're encouraging people to notice those moments, celebrate them, listen to them, you know, pay attention. So anyway, thank you for the work you're doing. Thank you for this podcast and celebrating this milestone with you and the Faith to Go community. All right. Peace and blessings. Thanks, Deanne. Uh, we appreciate you sending that in, and we're glad that we could get it in this week even well, though we and couldn't actually, last week. what i love about it is that we are i really like to start my day with gratitudes and affirmations and so we get to start off episode 251 with some love for everywhere that the podcast has been that's and right. that's great that's right and an invitation you know like dan said to see god in, in so many places you know in, in all these parts of our lives and just a reminder that seeing god doesn't mean that everything is great mm-hmm. you know Feeling God's presence is both in consolation and in desolation. And so like being aware of God's presence is also being aware of when it's hard to feel God moving, you know, when it's hard to see 
to feel hope <laughs> when it's hard to continue on. You know, that is that is a movement of God in those dry places. Mm -hmm. So uh, thank you to Deanne and thank you for that invitation to, to continue to pay attention. And as always, we would love to hear from you all. You all can uh, email us. Uh, you can contact us through our website, myfaithtogo.org, where you can also look at all those resources for personal reflection, small group discussion, and family conversation at home. You can contact us, follow us on Instagram, and you can also, like Deanne did and all of our guests did last week, uh, call in and leave us a voicemail or send us a text message. You can find all those ways of getting in contact with us in the description for this week's episode. And so now we're going to move into our gospel discussion for this upcoming Sunday. Again, Sunday, August 14th, proper 16. The gospel is from Luke chapter 13, verses 10 to 17. Charlotte's going to read it. I'll give some context and then we'll each highlight a point that we hope you take into your week of faith discussion and reflection. Now Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, There are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrites! Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger, and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for eighteen long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? When he said this, all his opponents were put to shame, and the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things he was doing. All right, so here we are, um, just 10 verses into chapter 13. So we were in chapter 12 for the last, I don't know, three weeks? Long time. Uh, we spent a lot, lot of time in chapter 12, which was great about not worrying, about hoarding resources, about uh, Jesus coming to cause division, all those happy, wonderful things. Um, and so we have skipped over just a couple of sections. One is the very last few verses of uh, chapter 12. Um, which Jesus is talking about uh, settling, you know, disagreements with people. Mm -hmm. So thankfully Jesus just brought the division piece and now we don't hear about the settling part. <laughs> just open-ended uncertainty forever and ever. We are skipping over the beginning of chapter 13 because I think we heard this reading about um, people asking Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices, which is a weird story. But I think if you go back and listen, there's, there's an episode where we talked about that in ordinary time. Mm -hmm. So um, since Easter or since um, Pentecost, we've talked about that one. But now we are to this uh, healing of this woman that has been uh, suffering for 18 years. Again, Jesus is doing his thing, healing on the Sabbath, doing things on the Sabbath to just like keep poking those Jewish leaders, poking, poking his, the leaders of his Jewish community and, and doing things like this to really get like, wake people up. Hey, mm -hmm. pay attention. Like it is Jesus doing the thing of like, why are we doing this? And is the reason just because we've always done it this way? And is that a good enough reason to keep doing this? You know? 
So anyway, we've got Jesus doing his thing, uh, continuing again, still on his way down to uh, Jerusalem from Galilee. So he's he's visiting all these synagogues because every little town and village has you know a synagogue where people are gathering to hear scripture read and and uh, to hear people talk about scripture and and to worship together. So that's where he is on a Saturday, seventh day of the week. And now Charlotte has the first point. I do. Um I do. And I was actually thinking as you were talking about some of the context that I think it relates to a point I had a couple of weeks ago about noticing mm-hmm. things. I think I was just talking about that recently. And I love how sometimes as we travel through the lectionary that these themes kind of emerge for us and maybe they're personal themes. Um, I'm sure that there's broader themes, but for me, at least there seems to be like a personal connection that I make as we go through it. And as I was reading this gospel and considering what I was going to say to all of you today as my point, I started thinking about my family. Mm-hmm. And so you've heard me talk about my family before. I happen to have two dogs, Jasper and Lily, mm-hmm. who are wonderful. And in my house, I am the only person that fills the dog water bowl. <laughs> that might be a slight exaggeration, but I would say... That out of a hundred times, ninety-seven of them, that dog water bowl has been filled by me. Wow, that's a high percentage. Correct. Yeah, and I can be. My house is tiny. I can be sitting in my living room, and I can hear them licking the bottom of the bowl in the kitchen, where other people are doing chores. I'm not naming names, no, but no. other people. And yet, I'm still the person that will come from the living room and pick up the bowl and fill it and give them water. Yeah. And this may seem like an odd connection to make. But I was thinking about the fact that Jesus was probably going through an ordinary Sabbath experience, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. He has walked into the synagogue and in the noticing, he notices this woman who has been suffering for 18 years. And that instead of just noticing her suffering or going up to the leaders of the synagogue and asking them about, hey, I see this woman over here who has been suffering. Can you tell me her story? You know, what's going on there? Have you helped her in any way? What's, you know, what's the background? Where do we stand with this? Or coming back the next day, right? Um, instead, when he noticed it, notices it, he immediately has to fix it. That her suffering cannot wait one more day. Um, that he doesn't even have time to have a conversation with anybody else about it, that he notices what is happening and he calls her over and offers her healing immediately. And I was thinking about what that means for each of us and more broadly than filling your dog's water bowl. Because there's so many ways in which we notice the suffering of other human beings, the suffering of the world, Um, suffering, minor suffering from our families, people, you know, that are going through a hard time. And sometimes, at least for me, I'll be like, oh, I really need to let my husband process that before I insert myself in the situation. Not that I ever overly insert myself, but that there are many times in which we have pushed that pause button um, and not gone into a response that we notice and pause instead of notice and respond. Uh And that in this gospel and in many sections of the gospel, we see Jesus modeling for us that when you notice it is wrong, you respond. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that means offering healing on the Sabbath, Mm -hmm. but whatever it is in our life that, that maybe what I'm feeling in the gospel is that next step from noticing, um, that we notice God moving in this world. We notice God in our own lives. We notice 
inequities and problems that are in this world and where is it that we are being called not just to notice Mm -hmm. but to respond and to respond immediately not to let it wait one more day not saying that it is our day off and so you know we'll do it tomorrow um, or that we are exhausted and maybe somebody else will do it all together but the noticing and the response are actually mutual agreements that if you notice it, that you are therefore called to respond to it. Yeah, and I, I think it is so interesting that Jesus, that Jesus is the one that initiates this interaction. You know, and it's not that the, I mean, eighteen years is such a long time. Mm-hmm. Like the average life expectancy of a person in this time was like between thirty and thirty-five years old, right? So it's like half your life. And I'm, I think it's also really interesting that like what was happening 18 years, like that's as long as it's been since Jesus was in the temple, you know, with his, with Mary and Joseph, um, getting left behind, you know, like that's a long, long time ago. So mm-hmm. this person has been suffering for a lifetime, you know, and, and the fact that like Jesus is the one that seeks her out it's not like there's so many stories where where people are coming to jesus and then it's so interesting that jesus finds this finds this woman um and goes out of his way to do this thing but you know he's doing that a lot like i said like he is this is an act of this is a form of resistance and so healing liberating people unbinding people is Mm -hmm. jesus's form of of protest you know and so that's really significant i think and interesting and so and so I, uh, for my point, I'd say that I'm struck by, um, I just, I love, I love what Jesus, I love that. I love how Jesus goes about what he does. And then like, I am, a, so I'm in, I'm in school. I'm in a PhD program for practical theology. And the more I get, the more I learn about practical theology and think about it and, and, you know, do it as like a, as like a person, uh, and try to embody it, I realize how much Jesus was really a practical theologian. Mm. Because what Jesus is doing here is the like task of practical theology, which is going into a place and being like, we have this theology, we have this practice. Like, are these two things lined up? Why do we do things this way? And so Jesus is, to me, that is what it means to be a hypocrite, to be saying that you have this theology and then you practice this other thing. And so Jesus is, but it's more, it's deeper than that because what Jesus is, is pushing on, you know, and I think the task of our time and in our, in our communities and like you're saying in the world, like when we're picking up on, um, but I think this is like an example of something that's even more, that's even more problematic, which is a practice that's bolstered by a, a, like a legalistic theology and so when a when an unjust practice is founded on a on like on a rigid theology that's even harder to like change <laughs> because it's got all these undertones of you know tradition and and religious legal legality and stuff like that um so anyway Jesus is going into this place and like you know pushing 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 on um the the theology of the sabbath and what it means to not work and what it means to what it means to heal on the sabbath and why it's a problem and like pushing on this this rigid inflexible theology of this thing 
that he's that he reckon he's and he's doing it because he recognizes that it's causing suffering you know um and so if there is a theological practice that's causing suffering that is a good reason to re-examine that practice and and so i I like that the way that he goes about doing this isn't just by denouncing a person or complaining about it or um walking away in a huff um or even like writing a well-researched paper about it he he just he responds with a different practice you know, he responds with the practice that he wants to see um, rather than just a bunch of frustrated, resentful energy, which is my go-to response. <laughs> <laughs> and so I like this Jesus. Jesus is showing, is like inviting when we are picking up on these things. The invitation is a form of protest in which we embody the kind of practice that we want to see taking place Mm -hmm. in place of the practice that is taking place and causing suffering. So I really like that idea. And I like that the way that, and I like that in doing so what he is inviting is a is reflection on why we're doing this practice, why we have to do it this way and why the and, and how the response that this is always how it's been done is so inadequate. And then I think, and then specifically for this practice, I think he's he's inviting us, inviting the people there uh, through his kind of like metaphor of the ox and the donkey, you know, to be like, hey, what are the things that you are prioritizing over humans? Mm-hmm. What are the things you're prioritizing over liberation? What are the things you're prioritizing over freedom and healing and justice? For your own sake, um, and 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 I like it because it's taking a couple different forms, and so it's both like physical things like your possessions or your wealth or your like personal security, but also conceptual, you know, non-tactile things like your rigid ideology. You know, maybe it is that rigid theology that Jesus is pushing on, so that. So that again, like going back to this, I to practical theology, to like the critical reflection on our practices is like which of the pra- which is a, which of your practices, whether that's like your well, let me say that again, which of your uh, like theologies uh, are you willing to prioritize over people's wellness, you know, and what and is it and like are you willing to um, let people continue to suffer like you were saying for the sake of being right for the sake of uh, upholding a theological idea that that for just the sake of it existing still you know like he's trying to he's trying to poke us poke us poke us enough that we like that we have that moment of like oh some he's like trying to get us to wake up he's like trying to get the synagogue leader to wake up and see that there's more than just the 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 like law to follow and that there is more to life than um than our than our rightness than our superiority and so i love that invitation from jesus uh at its most basic level to just ask the question what it what are you prioritizing over people you know and i think in our 
21st century American context that often takes the um, takes the form of you know wealth and resources and capital that uh, very often on kind of like a communal national level and just like a probably in Western culture just generally where we are willing to sacrifice human wellness for the sake of profit. Uh, I think that like, and then I think also on that, that level, we're willing to sacrifice our personal ideology for the sake of human wellness, power for the sake of wellness, you know, like our, our need to be right, our need to be uh, secure uh, for the sake of other people's healing. And so I think it's like significant that this, this person comes to Jesus hunched over, you know, like the description, like the physical description of this person is so significant to me because it really is like this person bearing the burden of bondage. Mm. Like they are representative of all the people that are suffering under the weight you know, of the institution, <laughs> like, like suffering under the weight of problematic theologies, suffering under the weight of ideologies that lead to, um, oppression, you know? So, so Jesus is like, Hey, if you are going to claim this identity as this religious person, as a leader in this community, as a follower of God, you know, you have to ask yourself, which of your practices are hurting people? And, and if you have a theological reasoning for that practice, really, we need to flip the, flip the script and be like, this person's experience needs, is calling us to re-examine our theology and not trying to fit this person's experience into our narrow theological thinking. And then that, and then like, go, go beyond that to be like, in what other areas of your life does that kind of reflection need to happen? And where are you prioritizing things over people? So that's what I think. Well, and so you said something right at the beginning of your point that I latched on to. <laughs> so I'm going I backwards like a little bit. Great. Um, but you were talking about being bound, right? And you actually brought that back again a little bit later um, and unbinding. And I was thinking about how we're so clearly called in the gospel to love one another uh-huh. and that all of these harmful practices or well-intentioned practices that end up not being so great, or even some just well-intentioned practices in general, but they're all ways in which we bind love, Uh right? Because we're called to love each other and we're like, okay, but here's the rule about how you do it. Uh And I tie this strip over it this way. And here's, here's this other thing that's really helpful if you do it this way. And so then I bind it this way. And before you know it, that we have taken love, which is what we are called to, and we have tied it up so tightly with expectations and rules and theologies and all of those things that we no longer can get to the love that was actually what we were called to in the beginning. And so that each of those times that then if you unbind or if you even go so far as to snip it, that actually what you're doing is you are releasing love. Yeah, and I think it makes it, it's kind of scary because it feels like we're letting go of something that's like holding up our sense of like identity. Because so many of like, like this religious leader has so much of his identity is probably bound up in these, in this legalistic understanding of the world, you know? And so to snip those things, to let go of those things, and to be like, actually, this, this human takes priority over any of these laws 
is like terrifying because it opens up to this entire world of mystery, you know, that humanity is. And so, but Hey, that's everything. Like that's what Jesus was saying the whole time, you know? And it's, it's a, it's a, it's human nature because now, you know, so many communities founded on that Jesus guy that was doing that have the same posture as the synagogue leader. You know, that's just how religion <laughs> kind of evolves. It's how people evolve. Yeah, that's, that's, that's like, that's like our, our, na- our fundamental stance almost, you know, it's like our default. And so Jesus, again, is poking, poking, poking. Hey, 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 what about this thing? Why are you doing it like this? Is this what you want it to be? Is this what God wants it to be? Like, pay attention to the people. Pay attention to people and how they're experiencing it. That's the most important thing. So, all right. So that's our two points for this week. Uh, point number one was Charlotte's, and it was about you know the importance of not uh, delaying uh, healing and freedom and liberation for one more day, uh, no matter how long it's uh, been going on. Uh, and number two was mine just about Jesus's invitation to, to examine and reflect on and become aware of our priorities. You know, what are we prioritizing over freedom of people, over healing of people, over uh, liberation of people? And so uh, we would love to hear from you. What would your third point have been for this week? Uh, you could also share with us any of your uh, experiences of uh, seeing or feeling God in your life or your questions or stories or comments from your week of faith discussion and reflection. We would always love to hear from you. You can leave us a voicemail. You can contact us through our website. You can contact us through a follow us, tag us on Instagram, or you can email us. And you can find all of those listed in the podcast description for this episode. We will be back next week uh, to talk about proper 17 in your seat. And until then, we say goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. everybody.